0: Welcome to another week's edition of Good Band, Bad Band, where we talk about two artists whose names sound similar, but the music sounds very different. This week, we're talking about Kesh a
1: obsession. I'm
0: Jared.
2: Caleb. David.
0: We have a different crew than usual here. yes what were we saying? Um, we have a different crew because we had some scheduling conflicts so uh, we had to uh, get a, a special guest and we changed the episode as well. It' was supposed to be outcats but we changed it to Kesh aha poor poor Dax is currently recovering from surgery. Yes, but he did get a special message from Chad McGee talk about that a little bit I don't think you told David about this either so there's this guy uh, that does YouTube and he had like one successful video a long time ago where he was on Tosh.0 and it was like a uh, a shout out video to this football high school football team where he's like for like the Greyhounds or something like that and uh, it became a viral sensation and uh, so he was on Tosh.0 he's on a couple different things maybe Attack of the Show or something like that rest in peace G4 But, uh, but yeah, he, uh, he has this thing where you can buy a shout out and, uh, Dax had a a surgery. Uh, yes, I guess it was today and I, but I bought the thing yesterday I sent him a message and I was like, Hey, my friend is having surgery. Will you make him a shout out video? And he was like, "Yes." And so, not just like maybe two hours after I sent him the thing, he made this video and he uploaded it to YouTube. And I think Kale's about to play it. I, I will play a, a brief portion of this video so that so that you can hear what this kind of sounds like. Uh, I will link it in the description, of course. Yes. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get a little taste of what this guy kind of what this guy sounds like.
1: in shot. A shout out to a man who needs our support. A shout out to a man who needs lifting up this. I said this is a special shout out to you.
2: Strange times we live in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he turned the um, thing where he said his name and did the echo in the background. Dax made that his ringtone. It is amazing. I just, it's truly, <laughs> I got, I truly got what I paid for with that. That was, it made his day. He said, nobody's done ever anything that nice for him. And so anyway, so yeah, Dax had uh, facial reconstructive surgery to make him less ugly. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't it. No. But uh yeah, so he's out and then we lost Tyler. He had some other things going on, so we're doing this episode. So let's get into it. Talk mm-hmm. some Kesha. Talk some Kesha. Talk some Kesha. Her real name is Kesha. It is. Yep. Yes. Without the without the the number sign. Yeah, which the, she no longer uses, of course. Now, on the while except on the She brought on, it back. She brought it back on the newest album. It was featuring Kesha. Yeah. Kesha featuring Kesha oh, on that's the new right. album. Yeah, that is true. Yep. So that was, uh, what song was that? That was called um, something. She had a song on there. Oh my. She had a song on there called the Potato Song as well. I that? actually didn't hate the Potato Song. Potato Song was all right. What was that it song? It should about? have been a lot worse than what you would have expected from a song called the Potato Song. Kinky was the name of the song featuring Kesha. It's Kesha, and it says featuring Kesha with a dollar sign. Well, it's, it's, it's quite strange because there really is kind of two personas mm-hmm. to Kesha at this point. I mean, even potentially more than two, mm-hmm. but she has kind of this like raucous party girl style that she's kind of said is like her, but amplified by 10 is mm-hmm. basically the way that she's put it. And then there's obviously the more... Somber. Somber, yeah. Balladry, Kesha. Yeah, the one who is willing to do like country songs with Sturgill Simpson Mm -hmm. versus the one who writes songs for Britney Spears. Mm -hmm. She said about the dollar sign in her name, she said, I was so happy being broke, and I'm happy not being broke. It doesn't really affect me either way. I care about taking care of people that have taken care of me. That's important to me. But to be honest, I'm kind of repulsed by the gluttony and excesses of a lot of people in the limelight. That's what she said about the dollar sign. Wow. So it was like a kind of like making fun. And that's basically what all of her success was, was being this character of Kesha. And it worked. It did. Is interesting. It really, it really was a very much character driven thing where it, I do believe that there's part of her that is, you know, within that Kesha character. Did you see where like one of her first appearances was? She was on this, the, the, what was the, Simple. Simple Life. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, who was the daughter of Lionel Richie. And it was, I don't, I guess I don't know anything about that show.
2: So I, I just saw a little bit of that. But yeah, basically, the first season, they were kind of in one place. But then the second season is when they were on the, like, they went to Kesha's house because mm-hmm. they did a kind of a traveling thing where they'd find some eccentric family to stay with. And then a bunch of shenanigans would happen. And so they, for this episode, um, I don't know if you know anything about her history, but her mom was mm-hmm. a singer songwriter. Right. And actually wrote a song with Dolly Parton. And, yes. You know, was this kind of hippie wild child kind of lady that Kesha grew up with. And, and so, you know, somehow they, the producers found this, you know, family. And so the, they, they, um, the whole premise of the show kind of was they were gonna set up the mom with a boyfriend, like find her a boyfriend. So, um, hmm. and so the three, the two of them plus Kesha were sitting on this couch, and they'd bring in guy after guy and kind of grill them. And so, um, but Kesha at that point was
0: like fifteen s- or sixteen. Well, I yeah, I
2: think she was like seventeen, maybe. Okay, it, she was young. The show came out in 2000, 2005. and okay,
0: she was born in like, I think eighty seven. That's correct. And
2: so months. it might have been filmed. Like yeah, six months before that, or something sure. like that. So she was pretty young, and it was, she got signed not too long after that. But then that same year, she you know magically was on a song with Paris Hilton, like she sang background on this song. Nothing, nothing in the world, mm-hmm. which is I mean horrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, naturally. But you know, because Paris couldn't sing, mm-hmm. and to have this person come on that obviously can sing. But the thing, kind of what you were talking about with the persona is. She really, I mean, she just went into it, you know, and stayed with it. And for two, you know, like at least one and a half albums.
0: Yeah, basically, it was two albums plus she did an EP as well as the, the Cannibal as EP that, that. that yeah. was in, inside of. Yeah.
2: If you listen to all of Animal and all of Cannibal, you'll, you would ha- be hard pressed to find a song where she really sings nor- like a mm-hmm. a normal. I try to find a way to describe that sound. And the only thing, I, it's really horrible, but it was it was like, you know, she's in the studio and like, okay, we need it to sound a little more crack whore.
1: Mm, <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. she
2: just rolled with it and, <laughs> and went that direction. And and so I, I think I was just, you know, I'm probably, like a lot of people, like wrong about her. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. probably just assume that, oh, you know, she's this horrible, you know, that's just who she was. But, you know, then you read that, you know, she... Like got high scores on her SAT. She has a mental level IQ. She got into a like an affiliate of Columbia. She was a smart, smart person, super smart. That and she could actually sing. Like mm-hmm. later, but you don't really hear that until, um, you know, the Warrior album. There's a maybe two or three songs that yeah. she actually sings. You know, m- more of a normal. <laughs> right. You want to say normal without the crack horror influence, and and then later she belts out. You know the. The praying she belts out a song for greatest showman mm-hmm. um and and then it makes you think you're like you know and we might get into this the whole dr luke kind of stuff yeah. and so but, it's kind of hard to avoid bad. that one. but i i when i first you know i didn't really read about it because it was like i didn't read about kesha but i just assumed that it was a story of she got pushed into doing that you know that first couple albums that whole kind of persona and it was pushed on her and it, and obviously she can really sing, so she would have never done it if she had her choice. But then you think, like, she wrote all those songs. Like, mm, she wrote every right. song, pretty much all her early songs, and and she and she that was her. And her mom was eccentric, and you know, I feel she,
0: like like um, Miley Cyrus is com- kind of comparable to her career of of that kind of thing as well, to a certain mm-hmm. extent, coming from somebody in the industry that kind of and uh, like I was kind of thinking about Billie Eilish a little bit as well with this is like. Somebody that is in the music industry from the outside trying to be something like mm-hmm. a, theoretically like an industry plant kind of situation with Kesha. But she just kind of like made it by becoming this caricature of party girl nonsense stuff. And then I mean, it was successful. She was on that Flowrider um right round. Right. Is that what it was? Oh, yeah. And she wasn't even credited. Like, I guess what I read is that she just walked into the studio Mm -hmm. while he was recording it and wanted a female vocalist on it, and um, she just happened to be there. And so she was on it, but it never was credited to her, and then later had success, and she didn't get any royalties from it or anything like that because she wanted to make a name for herself, Yeah, which, like, nobody else probably would have done that. You know, and if it was anybody else on that song, they probably wouldn't have had any success, but... It's just really strange that she was on it and also found success afterwards. Yeah. She was also on uh, in 2000 and, oh, what year was this? Six. So she would have been like 19 before any kind of success. She was on the soundtrack to Barbie Diaries. (laughs) Barbie Diaries. Yeah, I found the song. I didn't see that. It's called, uh, you had to dig pretty far to find it. You definitely hear that it's her, but it's just so strange. Like when it sounds like a Barbie diary. You song. know that Katy Perry had a Christian album before becoming big. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It kind of makes you like her mom wrote songs for big stars, straightforward songs, mm-hmm. you know. And she, you know, they could have she could have gone this direction and yeah. it ended up being Adele or Lauren Daigle like and, mm-hmm. and sang inspirational songs and and all this stuff the whole time, but obviously you know, it gets back to, she knew what she was like, mm-hmm. she wanted to go that direction because right. I mean, she was smart enough to pull off this persona and, it, and she knew what she was doing. She wasn't like forced into it. Like no. I've kind of assumed, but you know, she was, she was in kind of, and maybe not total control of her career, obviously. No. If you look back at, you know, some of the, the fighting and all that, but, but she, you know, it, it was a path she took and, and just went with it and and went to the you know the exponential yeah i mean
0: (laughs) she had a lot of hits like oh yeah she's i mean she's a huge name at this point in her career and is still continuing to be that i mean her most recent album high road is still i mean it charted pretty well Mm -hmm. and so and i mean i I don't think there are really big hits off of that album in particular but Mm -hmm. like you know rainbow had some good songs off yeah. of it and obviously some of her biggest hits came from her early career when she was doing more of kind of the party scene style mm-hmm. but i mean uh, praying was a, a very big hit yeah from that yeah. album I mean, it was like a turning point yeah of, yeah for sure And it, i mean it was talking about the situation with dr luke and mm-hmm. you know a lot of that she kind of was talking about that. And the same thing with From the, the High Road, the song, the single that came out from it, Resentment, which featured mm-hmm. Sturgill Simpson, like David mentioned, and also Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, which is super interesting. Yeah. But it is like a, a complete ballad. And you don't really have that happen very often on the uh, Billboard charts anyway. So if you're going to have a single right. come out that's like that song, it is not going to be a number one hit because this is it doesn't happen like that on the charts. No. So she wasn't she made the song not for the purpose of it being that. It, she made it for the artistic side of it, which sure. is good. You know, but I also I find I mean you have to also recognize like not only is she smart, but she's also clearly very successful at what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Because there are artists who are claiming her as a rap artist, there are artists who are claiming her as rock and roll She's obviously a pop star, so she's kind of running the gamut of genres in a lot of ways to the point that many, many artists, like, I think New York Times said something to the effect of she threatens to become the most influential female rapper of the day, or at least the most popular. Pretending Kesha isn't a rapper is no longer feasible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, that's a big, bold statement to say about somebody who also yodels on TikTok, Mm -hmm. you know, like... Yeah, that's. There's a lot of things going on in terms of her musical style and her musical influence. That like artists like Iggy Pop wants to be involved in her music, mm-hmm. or you know, like we haven't talked about it yet, but like um, the Flaming Lips are associated with Kesha, yep. which also totally makes sense because
2: that, like the album that didn't happen that that should have <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that she was like disappointed that it never ended up coming out but they were yeah they were supposed to do like a collaborative album similar to the the Miley Cyrus one mm-hmm. that came out uh, which did not go well one more time you you
1: you well, 2012
2: That's weird. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to like Wayne Cohn, is that his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like talk about it. He's said that there were five or six songs that they did that were just like, I mean, he couldn't say enough good about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was during the time when she was afraid to release anything because right. of retribution and all this. Yeah. Stuff.
0: She also probably wasn't, they were locked in that with his um, record label. So it, she couldn't, she was stuck for a long time, not being able to release anything. Yeah, so we should probably get into that Kemosabe little... Records, which is a little bit uh, not good now, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. not... uh, He'd be canceled anyways. He would be. Um, so to get into it a little deeper, so the situation was obviously Doctor Luke versus Kesha, mm-hmm. and my understanding is she sued him for physical assault, verbal assault, you know, emotional turmoil. Mm-hmm so on and so forth. And he basically just said defamation and trying to breach contract. And it's yeah. like, like he had no grounds in so many different ways. I mean, he, he denied all of the allegations, which anybody would, if they're being sued, you're not going to be like, yeah, go ahead and just end me now. Yeah. You know, but the record label still has, they've distanced themselves from his label. Cause she was signed to his label. Um, Kamasavi Records and they were like off of that. And I think she's still technically on there even though they're not releasing it as that. What but is the, not, what is the affiliate? What are the, what's the They're the s- sister company of what again? I th- I think it's RCA, but I'm not 100% right. sure. But yeah, I mean that whole thing cuz it was 2000 16 something like that and sh- the claims that she made about him being physical with her came out in, the the incidents happened in like 18 and f- 2005, something like that. I don't remember exactly. Whatever it but was. But it was past it was... the statute of limitations. Correct. So she couldn't do anything legally about it. But it seems like you shouldn't be locked into a contract, a, a music contract with somebody that has been, if you make an allegation, you know, like whether it's you can go through the courts or not, it probably shouldn't be... You shouldn't have to work with that person anymore. No. But, it, I mean, he's much older than her, and so it's just one of those things where it's obvious that he was able to use his position to uh, to make her career, to assault her in the way that he did, and that kind of... You know, like, it just... All of it seems icky.
2: And it's probably sure. bad timing for her because if it would have happened within the last few years, mm-hmm. everybody would side with her. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. And he, you know... It, he would have been like he probably wouldn't even fought it because he would know he wouldn't have won in this climate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Before we move on from Miss Kesha, I feel as though we would be remiss to not mention her tail. Yes.
2: <laughs> the vestigial tail. Was, I read that was
0: something. Go ahead. She uh she claims that she was born with a quarter-inch tail. And she said, I had a tail when I was born. They chopped it off and stole my tail. I'm really sad about that story. <laughs> so she w- she wishes she still had I'm the tail. I'm sad tails. about it too. I'm
2: picturing a uh, um, Jason Alexander's character in Shallow Hal.
0: I don't think I remember that.
2: He had a tail and he oh. tried to hide it, but then he embraced it at the end. Cause, oh, know, good. That's kind of what the movie's about. So. Good. I'm
0: glad that he 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 decided to keep the tail.
2: I do. Uh, she put out a song this year, and it's a cover of one of my favorite bands. Well, actually, they covered it, but. I know it from them from the Violent films. she covered Children of the Revolution which I found out was a, a song by T-Rex and like mm-hmm. way before but mm-hmm. I knew it from Violent Femmes it was on you know one of my favorite songs a long time ago and um, she covered that song so.
0: sounds like that's something that we need to play
2: I think so too could have been making music like that her whole career yeah
0: <laughs> i mean yeah absolutely she has a very interesting voice when it's not auto tuned the way it is too well i think that's a stylistic choice mm-hmm. regardless yes. so i don't think that she's necessarily like it's hard to say like oh she could be making like great music because i think she's making the music that she wants mm-hmm. but and, she's also making that music
2: and even the those that style the cash with the dollar sign style there's interesting rhymes and inflections and and just the mannerisms and like it it all kind of it's it's done in a style that is hard to like it would be hard to like mimic you know it's, yeah, it's her own sure. thing and it's interesting
0: before we move on I do we talked about this on the Dolly Parton episode but I, I don't want to not talk about it again because it is like one of the craziest things so her mom wrote that song um, uh, old flames can't hold a candle to you for Dolly Parton then later on her uh warrior warrior album she performed that song a cover of a song her mom wrote with dolly partner yeah, the person awesome. that did the song originally with like that's just the crazy like how would have it is pretty wild You never have that happen ever it's just insane it's so weird that like the daughter of the person that wrote the song is singing the song with the original person that wrote the, that sang the song yeah this is very strange very strange indeed so we're ready to transition. Yes. All right, let's do it. That of course was one of AHA's biggest hits off of their massive album Hunting High and Low. Right? Which song was that? <laughs> the Sun Always Shines on TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. That That's one. a good song. It, is? it was a t- it was a top twenty hit. It was. Don't downgrade it the way you just did, you that, sarcastic bastard. It was on purpose. That's uh-huh. the point, is oh, that, that yes. it was a it was a hit, but nobody remembers that it was a hit. Mm. They're, they're in, in this country. In this country, yes. Yeah, in this country, if exactly. you're in, in, if you're Norwegian, then all of this is like, oh my gosh, you're talking about aha, the biggest
2: like, band in the in the world, from right? Norwegian, yeah.
0: yeah. Which is crazy to think that like a band. I mean, it totally makes sense when a band is very popular within their own country, mm-hmm. and then we, as like Western, you know, America, decide like, well, we really like that one song because it's got a cool video, and then we don't talk about them otherwise. Like, that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. So,
2: but you you can't dismiss that it was a cool video. It was totally a cool video, especially when you're like I was twelve, and MTV was kind of in its heyday, you know. And and this song came on in this weird, you know, drawing style uh, video with who we all thought was the coolest guy in the history of guys, you know, and with this girl, and it was it, it just you know. Takes me back. It takes you back.
0: (laughs) I don't know. It's 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 interesting because they they won so many MTV awards for that video, Mm -hmm. more so than most artists have ever won Mm -hmm. in one set in one single more than Thriller. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's wild. That I mean, they have a lot of name recognition from that song, obviously, but elsewhere they've remained relatively popular. Like, I mean, I'm sure that you guys were looking into it, but like their popularity in South America is absurd that, that we do not give them any kind of recognition because they sold out and have a Guinness Book of World Record for having the, the most people filled into a stadium.
2: Rockin' Rio Mm 2.
0: 1991, I believe.
2: And I, I guess, you know, it's one of those bands that, you know, my, growing up, my childhood, there's. Which it'll be the same for you guys. At some point there'll be a band that you're like I just assumed that they had stopped doing anything in the early nineties. Right. Because I didn't I mean, I didn't pay any attention to them and I had no idea that they still put out, like had an album out last year. Yeah. Like I had no idea that aha was still aha.
0: <laughs> well they've I feel like they've been aha, then not been aha, then been aha, then not been like they've kinda of gone back and they forth. They did have
2: some gaps, yes. But yeah. but the fact that they put out albums even, you know, years after the nineties mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> How many albums do they have? Like nine, something like that. Yeah, like quite a few. The, most people don't even know that "Hunting High and Low" would have been the song that that came off of. No, probably not. Or that I mean, that was their first hit, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And it was the like it was their first single too. Yeah. Like they had, if you look, um, there's a "Take on Me" and then there was a "Take on Me" re-release that got to number one. So like they put it out and it didn't. And it charted, but not as well. And then it charted even better in the U.S. Probably a different version of it. If you look, there's like four different versions of that song at different names and everything. Yeah. I, I was reading about how they they really, really worked hard on that song. Because mm-hmm. I think that they, they must have known they had lightning in a bottle
2: with that one. They had the general hook. Like we we listened to the few early versions and the the melody hook is there, you know, the do 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 you know that. Yeah. But it was way different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I really wasn't like I, I'm really not familiar with them. Almost, at all. I mean, most people are not. Is mm-hmm. the thing they have this unfortunate like m- this ground similar to we who we've talked about recently, Dead or Alive, mm. where they're not actually one-hit wonders, no. <laughs> but we mostly think of them as one-hit wonders. So we kind of lump them into that '80s one-hit wonder category. And they also kind of um, have continued to do that song. And like, if you look at uh, Spotify. That's that the regular version is the most listened to the MTV unplugged is there. And then another version, an acoustic version or something like that. Like there's like three different versions of take on me that are their top stream songs, mm-hmm. you know? So like they just continue to redo that song, which is fine. I mean, you'll find other covers of it and stuff like that too, that it becomes successful. And so there's no reason not to, but I mean, they do have an entire catalog of songs and they're obviously able to, packed stadiums and become and like even after that hit came out in the nineties, they were able to still be a successful touring band.
2: Yeah, you don't think of one hit wonders of like Dexy's Midnight Runners. Did they mm. sell out big giant arenas, no. you know, years after I know, mean people singing their one song? <laughs>
0: people will show up for the big hit, you know, but they aren't they're not gonna come around f- like they're not gonna fill out an entire stadium for a band who's got one song that they know. I mean, they. I'm mean, not in the U.S., no, but no. in in what you were talking about in South America and even probably in the U.K., they had a lot of success right. that wasn't just that one song. They had a lot of number one hits in, was it Norway? Is that where they're from? Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, they were, the like David said, they're the most successful band from Norway. I mean, not just in that country, but in the world, like mm-hmm. in other countries as well. But... They were nominated for uh, Best New Artist at the Grammys, but they lost to Sade. Oh. Is that who they lost to? Yep.
2: Oh, man. And they were still fairly big, big enough three years later, like in 88, um, they did the soundtrack for the James Bond movie, which at right. the time, and it's still probably even today, is a big deal. If you get to do the soundtrack for the James Bond movie, mm-hmm. whenever it comes out... It's, you know, people take notice and, and you want to, it's a coveted spot. Yes. And, just and it's actually, Eilish. it's
0: a, and Adele
2: and Adele. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's a, you know, I was, I was telling Jared, I, their album version of it, they changed it a little bit and it, uh, I mean, maybe it's just not the same as watching the intro to James Bond and like with all the stuff that they do and listening to the song over it. It, it, you know, it, it was a good, it was a great James Bond. Some people think it's the best, you know, I mm-hmm. want they would label it up there as one of the best James Bond you know, intro songs. we want to hear a little bit yes yes please to hear
0: that part that's <laughs> totally fair
2: but i think they nailed it i mean it fits with the you know the intro i love stuff.
0: that in uh 80s james bond movie the theme is as 80s as that is i was gonna say that's like the most 80s possible thing like that hey. that weird like i don't even know what that was like kind of synthy mm-hmm. but also like if you could describe what that sound is and then uh, kudos to you but it sounds almost like a video game mm-hmm. um but that, like that's such an '80s esque sound that they're like using, but it still sounds very James Bondy when you're listening to it. They really capture a good a good energy off of that song. Did you uh, see how they got their name? No, they, uh, I didn't. So they were trying to think of what to call themselves, and they were focusing on Norwegian words people could say in English, and they. Uh, jettisoned that idea when they spotted a song called Aha in a songbook and they said it was a terrible song but a great name. <laughs> it's a great it's a great way to come up with a name right there.
2: If you Google search them, it kind of shows their pigeonhole of I think it says Synth Pop Band. hmm And that was true for their big, you know, their first album and, sure. and but in listening to some of the, you know, ones after that, they kind of got away from that. You know, and it was more kind of alternative in the realm of De- like Depeche Mode. They cited of, them as someone who yeah.
0: they were, I mean, it was an influence of theirs. So they felt more in tune with a Depeche Mode from that time period than other and synth poppy. You
2: knew I was going to bring this up. I brought it up before, but they, and, and like a band like Echo and the Bunny Man, that who obviously they befriended, you know, Ian McCullough is the lead singer. And they, he was on their um, MTV Unplugged album and did a song with them, one of their songs with them, and then they did one of his songs uh, on it. And, you know, so that, you know, Echo and the Bunnymen, Depeche Mode, very different than, you know, uh, the Take On Me kind of sound. <laughs> sure,
0: yeah. I was watching, when I was watching some of the music videos for AHA, the video after one of theirs was Pet Shop Boys too, which is an interesting, like, yeah, I don't really think of it that way, but it is. it also does make sense. I think that if... I think I'm glad they didn't go the more dance route, but I also could have seen them do it. Yeah. They know? could have done it. They could I have really, definitely done it. I really enjoyed uh their cover uh Crying in the Rain by the Everly Brothers that was on that that we listened to. I thought that was probably the other than Take On Me, that was my favorite thing that, that I listened to of of the AHA stuff. Let's play some crying in the rain.
2: He really does have a really good voice. You can, I mean, it's
0: crazy because, like, that song, you can hear that it is an Everly Brothers song, but you can also hear that it's aha. You know what I mean? Like, sure. They didn't make it, they they made it true to the song. You know, you're not going to, like, like what Weezer did with The Take on Me. You know, they completely, they just kind of made it that song again. They didn't do that much different with it. And at least Aha, like, used the original form of a song but then made it their own as well you could even hear kind of like a roy orbison kind of vibe from his voice on that as well yeah just like that i don't know it, it falsetto or whatever you know like what did you you want to play it we haven't I listened think, to take on me I think, yet. We should, I think we should play it i think i think it's a good time to do it
2: don't you don't okay <laughs> <laughs> never mind never mind all right that's he fine controls they... the music i, I like it. it's a waste of a cover
0: it really is it's so bad it's
2: just do it exactly the way the original band did it like yeah they did a whole album of that why did they do that
0: yeah i don't know it, it was it was it, yeah i i mean i have i have my qualms with the weezer but i think that was where i really drew the line was that entire teal album they did the music video with uh finn wolfhard i think from stranger things oh wow and he was in the the kid in the, they did basically the same video too. Yeah. Right? And I'm pretty sure it was him that was in it. So um,
2: as uh, proof that he has a good voice, did you read this part? I, I, I remembered it, so I had to look it up. In 2000, his name's what? Morton Harkett was the guy's name, the lead mm-hmm, singer. Mm-hmm. In 2000, he broke the world record for the man who could hold the longest single note in a song. It was for, um, it was originally Bill Withers. Mm-hmm. Eight, yes it was for 18 seconds and he held one for 20.2 seconds on summer moving, moved on song
0: we should listen to that
2: 20 point, it was a it was a live performance it's a, yeah it was a live performance I don't was,
0: know is it see if it's on there see, I don't know just man. look it
2: up I don't know but we, you, 20, 20 seconds that's, that's a long time all, yeah it doesn't seem long some people
0: you, can't hold their breath in a pool that long
2: yeah and uh, some
0: people can't wear a mask that long to
2: breathe
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my! Call them out. There's a uh, quite a few covers. I don't think of, that it's on here. Um, Take that's on too me.
2: Bad. Look, look it up. See if you can find it. Real if big you can fish. Find it, send it to us. Real big yeah. fish
0: did a cover of Take on Me. Uh, Aqua Long did it on a Grey's Anatomy soundtrack. Did you have any other that you that well, you enjoyed?
2: The, their acoustic version mm-hmm. was famously used in Deadpool Two. Yeah, it's
0: true. <laughs> it was. Anything else?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I, and I, I will
0: say really quickly. This is what I, f- I found to be surprising. There is indeed a link mm, between okay. between Kesha, oh, really? and Aha. Okay, because uh, Kesha, of course, has done a song with Pitbull, mm. and Pitbull has been cited as liking Aha. Well, there you go. Well, he sampled it. Yeah, in uh, this song, um, oh, what was it called? Some feelless Moment. Yeah, feel this moment with Christine Aguilera. Listen to that. How does. We didn't talk. What has she done with Pitbull? Kesha did. What did she do? Timber. Oh, yeah. It's going Timber. down. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's a good song right there. Yeah, I don't like Pitbull, but that's a good song. Yeah.
2: I mean, anything with her. We ready? Sorry. The gates are open.
1: I just want to feel this moment. Whoa. I just want to feel this moment. I just want to feel this moment. Mr.
0: Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. Nice. Mr. Worldwide brought us all together here.
2: Kesha, aha, all all linked up.
0: That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. We did it. We did it. I feel like that's always the, the end goal of an episode is if we can find the link between the two bands, then we've done something right. I mean, the more episodes we do, the easier it gets. Oh, yeah. But, like, it's interesting because, you know, like, Kesha worked with, as you mentioned earlier, Iggy Pop, which we did. Yeah. Iggy Poppy. So, like, we have found some other. And Flo Rider. that was her first. Dolly Parton. And Dolly, oh, yeah.
2: Oh, I forgot the, um, the Body Talk song.
0: Oh, with The Struts? The Struts, yeah. That was a oh, good yeah. song, too. And that was, I mean. That man. was from, that's, I, I was going to talk about this, and I guess I didn't get a chance. We'll circle back. I don't think I like when people that are going on tour together make a song for the purpose of going on tour and making a song. She did that with The Struts. <laughs> she did that with uh, Big Frida on oh, yeah. that album. And then you have... uh Lil Wayne and Blink Wayne eighty two doing a combination of What's My Age Again and Um uh what was the name of the song? I thought it was Amelie. Amelie. Yeah, yeah. That, you're right. Yeah. I almost said something about money, but that's exactly what he's talking. Anyways. But yeah, so like that that happens quite a bit. I'm pretty sure she went on tour with Macklemore and they did that song together as well. Yes. So like she's done that three times. Like, why is that her MO to right. make songs with people she's going on tour with? I'm not sure. That is an odd thing
2: to do mm-hmm. with people. It's working for, I guess. I guess. I so,
0: but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I like it. That's fair. It's out there now. Yeah, <laughs> it's out there now. You you've said your piece. Yes. Well, I, I, we we circled back too because you mentioned the the longest note and it beat Bill Withers. We've covered that on our wow our. our you know. That's true. Record Roundtable as well. Yes, Comes we did. It round goes deep, around. It, it is a deep, deep hole that we have <laughs> dug ourselves into by having a podcast for a year and a half. Yes. it Truly. Um, are we ready to vote? For, for Patreon listeners, uh, this is not typical for us. We don't usually come out and uh, buck, buck the episode that we planned on doing, but we will be doing Out Cats as our follow-up episode to mm-hmm. this. Yes. So your voice will still be heard. We just have some extenuating circumstances that I'm sure... And all of you could understand. Mm. So unfortunately, we will not have your vote. But we do have three votes here. So we will have, thank God, a definitive answer. That's true. (laughs) On who is the good band. Yes. So who would like to begin with who is the good band? I will will say Kesha. That's my vote.
2: And I wanted to say, "Uh aha, so bad. And because that song took me back to such a you know so big in my childhood but then in listening you know I liked some other stuff but I just didn't find very many songs it was just like yeah that's a good you know whereas I mean Kesha's got a lot of hip you know our songs that catchy I like a lot of them I'm gonna have to go Kesha
0: I think we here have a unanimous vote for Kesha nice yeah. that's wow. good I don't I I, I like Aha! Uh-huh. I do not want to mitigate nothing the that she that they has done, done is bigger than take on me. No. no, but the cumulative career of her is surpassing of them in the states. In the states, that's correct. Which is where we are, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sure that if we were making this podcast in you know South America, we mm-hmm. would have a very Norway. different vote. Yeah. Norway, there's Norway yeah. we'd pick her. There's Norway we would pick.
2: Or if if she would have had TikTok and then had really not much else after that. Sure. Then...
0: Like a Friday situation. Like,
2: 20 years back, you're like, yeah, look, remember that TikTok song? But she never really went away. No. no.
0: I mean, it, she very much At had... At least not on purpose. That's true. Uh, she very much had, like, a, a quite the career renaissance a la Carlyra Jepsen, mm-hmm. who is making quite a bit of good, you know, good pop music outside of the Call Me Maybe song that mm-hmm. she had. She could have absolutely been just a TikTok. Yeah. But she she survived even to the point where we have a whole tiktok app i know she i hope she's getting some residuals from that i hope so too (laughs) man they offer that too Mm -hmm. so well here you go unanimous vote for for kesha who would have thought thank you for listening to this week's edition of good band bad band let us know who you think is the good band check out our website check out our facebook and other things Look at the, the Patreon if you want to become a patron. Let us know who you think is the good band in the following weeks and this week as well. Next week we're talking about Outcats, or what we're supposed to be. We'll see. Goodbye.